1: Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, it's a movie review show. Traditionally, to save you the trouble of seeing a movie sequel, we watch the original to tell you if it's worth your time to see the follow-up. So, for all of you out there who are thinking about investing 10 hours in watching the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, we've watched Flashdance. Come on, it's close enough. Plus, if you kids can't go to summer camp, why, we'll bring summer camp stories to you. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to lead this podcast in a choreographed foxtrot of coherency. And now, please welcome the woman who cha-chas through every waltz, Paula Poundstone.
0: Hey, you guys! Paula! so lovely to be here on my treadmill that's turned off
1: uh, well you you always have to make sure you turn it off before you start the podcast right
0: oh man the chair flies off time and again before i figure it out
1: i you know i still haven't figured out why you do that paula why i do what? why you put your chair on on the on the treadmill
0: because i have a treadmill desk
1: What's the tra- So, it's a desk that hooks onto your treadmill?
0: Yeah, you haven't seen that before, a treadmill desk? No, not really. Yeah. Well, the idea is that you would walk and do work at the same time. But what they didn't take right. into consideration is that um, there's a vibration uh, caused by the treadmill. And so, everything slowly vibrates off the desk. It's, it, there's flaws in the design.
1: So you have a stationary treadmill desk, and so you put your chair on the treadmill in order to avail yourself of that desk. That's correct. (laughs) I'm not glad that I pursued that avenue. Um, You know, (laughs) let's take a moment and uh, thank tonight's house band returning champion, Lindsay Goodman, on the flute. Lindsay. Thank you, Lindsay. (laughs) And that's a quick return, too. She's just wonderful. Um, And uh, let's say a quick welcome to... um, our, our our cast of characters. Uh, over over up in the hills we have Bonnie Burns. Bonnie, what's new with you?
2: I didn't know you were gonna call on me tonight. I do on every show, Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs>
2: That's all I have to say. Thank, Thank you, you, Captain, Captain Crinkle.
1: Clinton.
2: Yeah. What's um, new with me? Wait, what's new with me? Yeah. Um, I'm staring at my toes.
1: All right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on uh, over in over in Sherman Oaks, California, we have um, our own producer Tony Anita Hall. Tony, yes. Yes. <laughs> Tell me something more interesting than what Bonnie said.
3: Uh, <laughs> it's hard to beat, Adam. Uh, I did. I bought a, <laughs> um, I bought an air fryer. That's that's. A, <laughs> oh my god!
1: <laughs> Congratulations! Now, what have you fried so far?
3: Um, I did uh, some broccoli. Um, uh-huh. I did so, some fish, some some sweet potato tots. I've done that. So you're you liking it. fried it, it with I, air? It's an air fryer, yeah. It, it fries the food with heat instead of using frying things in oil. It's much healthier. I just use wow. a fan.
0: If you just mount a fan <laughs> over your fish. Or a blow dryer. You can use a blow dryer, Tony. Have you tried that? Let me ask you this. Did you get the air fryer at Roger Federer's?
3: <laughs> he was sold out. Sold out at Federers. Oh, that's oh, wow. well, that's
1: that's a, that's a pity. Um, uh, t- Tony, oh, I guess I I, I want to pursue this a little bit. Um, how is an air fryer different than say an oven?
3: Um, and you know what? It makes the food crispier. Like it, oh. it really tastes like you deep fried it. I mm. I mean it's wow. I highly recommend them. I can. I don't have enough good the just, potatoes. Delicious in them. It's there. It's amazing. Life changing.
1: Huh? Oh, whoa! Wow. And Bonnie think, staring at her feet.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: <No. laughs> Wait. Does it does it shorten the cook time from an oven?
3: Yeah. I. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I. I did like a whole potato. In like ten minutes,
1: <laughs> right?
3: At four hundred degrees, it was nice and crispy. Wow. <laughs> hey Adam, we really have
1: nothing. We have nothing going on, do we? Yes, Paula.
3: Hey, hey
0: Adam, answer the phone. Really? Yeah. Answer <laughs> One the of the phone. first times I'm
1: absolutely glad to do so, Paula. Hello.
0: Hey, hey, Adam, man, this is my boom, bonafide. Boom, man, you guys have got so much going on over there, man. This is this, I can't believe how busy you all are. I want one of those fucking air fryers. That sounds fantastic. I got I got potatoes. you can do one potato in ten minutes. that'll be that'll be great because I could do like a lot of potatoes because if there's one thing I got, it's potatoes. but mine are not cooked, you know what I mean? And so I you do eat potatoes. uncooked potatoes. No, no, I've just been waiting to figure out a way to cook them in only 10 minutes. And then I just found out from Tony Anita Hall, I can do, I can do like, I can do one potato in 10 minutes, man. So I got like 10 potatoes a 100 fucking minutes and I'm eating nothing but cooked potatoes. Whoa. Oh my God. You know, they say that show business is shut down right now, but I don't think so. I don't think so at all because... Oh Jesus! You so, guys. So, so Mike, lights, you're
1: calling.
0: The, the music, the dance, uh, f- fucking phenomenal! What you guys got going on over there? I don't like Paul Poulston. I don't like Harper. The rest of you guys, are fantastic, Adam, fantastic. You know, am I the hundredth well, caller?
1: You're not, Mike. You're caller number 70, uh, seventy-eight, I think, right, Tony? Ah, yes.
0: shit! Because I really want one of those air fryers. I want an air fryer.
1: Well, as, as you might have heard, of, Roger Federer's store is sold out of air fryers.
0: Yeah, but they'll probably, look, by the time I'm in the 100th caller, they'll restock, because Roger's a businessman, you know what I mean? He's a businessman. That's why he knew to open that appliance store, because he knew tennis isn't going to last forever. And nobody thinks tennis is going to last forever. That's ridiculous. Your body just can't take it after a while. Like, that's how I am. <laughs> Uh, I, my body can't take everything after a while. You know what I mean, Mike, man? I, like I, you're not, not going to be able to do this podcast forever because it takes a lot out of you. And Tony Anita, oh, she's so tired, she had to get potatoes to cook faster.
1: <laughs> that makes zero sense, Mike. Just zero. Uh, but, uh, look, uh thank you for calling.
0: Yeah, wish I was 100 call because I really fucking want an air fryer, man. I want an air fryer. Because I want to cook fish. But I don't want to do it in oil, you know what I mean? I don't want to do it in the oven, and I don't want to do it on the stove, and I don't want to do it on the toaster, do you know what I mean?
1: No, why do you not want to cook fish in all those traditional manners?
0: I just want an air fryer, I just do, you know? It's the same reason I wanted a yo-yo in the sixth grade, I just, because Tony had one.
1: Tony had one?
0: Yeah, she did, she had a, she was a, she could walk the dog. She was she's unbelievable. She's fucking unbelievable.
1: Tony yeah. Anita Hall? Did, oh, Did you go to gotcha. school with Tony Anita Hall? I, I
0: used to see her around. I just used to <laughs> see her around.
1: This is this is news to me. I didn't know that. Uh, Tony, do you remember Mike Boom Boom Bonafit from school?
3: I went to school with a mic. Maybe it was the same one.
0: Tony, is that you? <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, my God. I
0: don't want to, oh, to you. <laughs>
1: She doesn't want to talk to you, Mike. It's just me talking oh, to you. Okay?
0: Oh man, man, I just, I hope you don't know, just hanging around Paula Poundstone. She's gonna, she's gonna become a bitch, just like Paula Poundstone. <laughs> hey, Mike. Hey, hey, I, hey, hey. Ah, man, I do.
1: I not have told like you time and again that I will not tolerate you talking about my friend Paula Poundstone in those hey, terms. Hey, listen,
0: Adam. I gotta, I gotta go. So I wish that Thank you know God. we were gonna hang out and stuff. But uh, you know, if you need anything, call me.
1: Uh, call One eight hundred Mike.
0: Just call one eight hundred Mike.
1: I'm not. That's not even enough numbers. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye, Mike. Bye, Wow. Uh,
0: bye.
1: <laughs> bye. So Boy, looking at is, your feet, huh, Bonnie? He really
0: likes this show. He loves you, Adam. Yeah, and I didn't a, even know he knew a-
1: Tony. He's a big fan. Yeah, no, the to- the Tony thing is a revelation. I'm going to want to pursue that uh, some more. Because, you know, we've had so much going on on this show in the last couple of weeks. I know a lot of our listeners are concerned about the 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 sudden and unexpected parting of our intern, Doug. Um, we're oh, still looking guys. into that, everybody. That was, yeah, That was a
0: heartbreaker. Uh, you know, yeah. one of the things Doug used to do uh, was <laughs> yes. h- help me set up my workstation uh, here at home, and uh, you should see how I am right now. I'm on the treadmill. I have a microphone with a pea popper like right practically in my mouth, and then I have right. a, a, a stand for some notes, and then another stand for some water and sodas, and then uh, you know... And then...
1: You're saying if Doug was here it would be set up more efficiently?
0: Uh, it reminds me of... Um, there was a movie one time where a guy was, uh, he was all bandaged up in a hospital bed and he couldn't move his arms and a fly came in and landed on his nose. Do you remember uh-huh. that movie? Sort of. Yeah, it reminds
1: me of that. Okay, well, that's that's a bad setup. I, You yeah. know, and uh, I guess if Doug were here, it would be better. I, uh, for those of you listeners who... Might be uh, pointing out that we never mentioned Doug before we mentioned his unexpected death (laughs) um, last week. Um, And some of you might be insinuating that it's a sort of transparent ploy to add some intrigue to our show. Nothing could be further from the truth. Doug was just humble that way.
0: Uh Oh, he was a quiet guy. Never asked for anything. Um, Never asked
1: for anything, which makes his, his death all the more unexpected.
0: And the mystery behind his death and the little pieces of information that have come out slowly in such a way as that people would want to keep listening to find out uh, yeah. has just I mean, been, drib,
1: dribs and drabs of information. And, and yeah. with each passing week, we learn a little bit more, it seems, and piece together the puzzle of who killed Doug.
0: Yeah, it's been absolutely fascinating. I, at the site of the murder, there was, well, alleged murder. Uh, they found a copy of Adam's uh, novel... Uh, with blood on the corner and the <laughs> bruise on the side of Doug's head. the uh, Well, it wasn't just a bruise. It was a, a dent. Uh, they found that the copy of the book fit right into that dent. So that's, right. you know, make of that what you will.
1: Yeah. Um, but, you know, other things have emerged. By the way, the police have ruled it a homicide. There's a, any number of things. It appeared that his left hand had been air fried.
0: Oh, oh, that's a clue right there.
1: Yeah, it's got. Kind of, well, it's not. Is it a clue? I mean, everything can look like a clue. But again, um, we will. We will probably devote a whole show or two in the future to remembering Doug um, and what you he know, meant to us all. Is <laughs> yes? it
3: me, or did
0: Tony always seem a little jealous of Doug? She did. <laughs> yeah, that's. Something. She did.
1: Now that you it's mention just something. it,
0: make of that what you will. Um, yeah. Uh, you know. There was some suspicion. You know, Tony
1: said that that the air fryer was life changing. You know what else is life changing, Paula? What's that? Murder.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that'll t- that'll change your life. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> actually, um, we had two officers uh, that reported, or detectives. Excuse me, they were detectives. Uh, Tom and Ann Delano, a, a husband and wife detective team, yes, <laughs> filed a report on the crime scene. Uh, oh,
1: so we should, in an upcoming episode, read that. And also, the, the coroner's report's coming out soon.
0: Yeah, says he's dead as a doornail. Yeah. In fact, a coroner's report traditionally has, a, like, a form. They have to fill out a form. And, right. um And the coroner will write in dead, and then there's several boxes they can check as a As to link. how dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's as a doornail. Um, oh. Yeah.
1: that's that's about it that's about as dead as you get um and 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 it is it is painful for us to talk about him in those terms obviously because we did care about him a lot i don't know if any of any one of us could say that we loved him but um we cared about doug
0: yeah oh very much very much cared about him i i gave him a raise not that long ago and he and he was an intern wasn't even supposed to
1: be but i but i doubled his salary nonetheless um yeah, in in fact, in fact, sometime about a week ago, I I remember here overhearing you say during a conversation, "Damn it, Doug, you're breaking me."
0: Yeah, <laughs> which which could be done with the smallest amount of money right now.
1: Yeah, you know, so, so that, I, I don't know, that, know if he was I've draining meant... your resources. Is my point?
0: Yes, exactly. Well, the, the limited resources that there are. You know, Adam, I used to tell my jokes. Um, to theaters uh, full of people. Uh, and it was me on a stage, yeah. and then there were people. Uh, and uh, that's... <laughs> that,
1: yeah, that's and then all of a sudden a- you find yourself in a position where you can't afford Doug anymore.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a difficult thing. Well, you know, uh, what I've been doing <laughs> recently is making workout yeah. videos, figuring that my workout training career will take off.
1: Um, I have watched a couple of those. They're very, very entertaining.
0: Well, thank you. They are. You know, the thing about making a workout training video is that you have to do more than one take. So for every <laughs> exercise that's on that video, uh, I did, you know, I, I, I did, uh, many more. So I was gasping well, super for breath.
1: Impressive. Very impressive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I planked for uh, an we, hour. You planked for an hour? Not really, but, uh, you know, no. <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, can, could, could, I don't think she does any longer, but as of just a couple of years ago, anyways, she was planking for 30 seconds. Did you know that?
1: <laughs> I look, I worry about that woman all the time because I, I worry doing that she might be during the she Supreme Court
0: to- sessions and uh, Roberts had to ask her to stop that because uh, <laughs> they would all just break into calisthenics. Now they're doing the Supreme Court over the phone. Did you know that? Yeah, I know.
1: Yeah. I, did, I did know that, Paula. We have lost our focus here. But yes, I did know that we uh, <laughs> the Supreme Court is now doing phone sessions.
0: Yeah, yeah, they are. They're doing it over the phone. Um, and the way the phone <laughs> begins, the first call is, Hello, Mr. Roberts. This is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Can I speak to Alito?
1: <laughs> and there we go.
0: <laughs> did she really right. get rejected? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did it really get passed? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can't investigate Trump. Yeah, yeah. Till he's on his ass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This I Supreme wish court's... that was how
1: they did those calls.
0: Yeah, that's exactly how they do those calls. What do you mean you wish that
1: was how? I'm sorry. I'm sorry oh for my breaking, breaking our fourth wall a little bit there. Hey, coming up, what does watching Flashdance tell us about seeing the last dance? We'll run a triangle offense around that question when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Carla Poundstone.
0: Hello, Adam Felber. This is Neil Gorsuch. Can I speak to (laughs) Chief Justice Roberts? Um, We are back. Adam, you know what I forgot to say, which people might not have understood what Mike Boom Boom Bonifit was asking about? We are still continuing the 100th Caller Contest. So keep those calls coming in. The 100th caller on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone wins a chance to hang out with Adam Felber after the game and any appliance they want for free from Roger Federer's
1: appliance store. Right, and if you're a listener out there and you're thinking, how can I call in? This seems to be like every podcast pre-taped and not live. All we can tell you is that's an extraordinarily good question.
0: No, go ahead and call in. Definitely call yeah, in. Go, go,
1: yeah, go yeah. ahead and call in, Because I've been in, taking calls.
0: I mean, Adam's been taking
1: calls. So go ahead and call in. Yeah. I feel like you should take the next call, Paula. No, no, you go ahead. Uh, oh, I can't wait <laughs> to talk about flash Flashdance. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Now, um, as a lot of people know, um, last month, The Last Dance, the 10-part Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls documentary came out on ESPN and on streaming services, and by many estimates, it did even better than The Tiger King. I think it has dethroned The Tiger King as the most watched program of this uh, epidemic. (laughs) And, you know, I've watched it. Did you watch it, Paula?
0: I, You know, I haven't, and I would like to because I like basketball and I like Michael Jordan. But, you know, I'm not sure that a measure of viewing, like how, you know, there's Nielsen ratings and, you know, they'll say, well, how many people viewed something? I'm not sure that it's really fair to compare a, me- a measure of viewing while people are trapped in their homes to, right. like, any other time. You know, because, I, um, I mean, yeah, it's not like it, they don't well, have, they have choices. They have no other options.
1: Well, yeah. no, there
0: are. You know, there are things called books, uh, but what? I mean, there's other things to do. Of course, there are other things to do, but there are fewer things to do, and so I do think that it's uh, it's a it's a false comparison.
1: Um, I I think to an extent you're you're absolutely right, and it certainly has uh, impacted our movie review um, episodes because we there are no new movies to uh, to send people to.
0: Oh yeah, but it doesn't matter. I mean, people were interested in the, the, a lot of viewers of uh of the Michael Jordan documentary Last Dance and so we are doing everyone a favor cuz that's a big ten, favor. that's yeah. 10 hours of viewing. And so what right. Adam and, and I did at um at whatever personal loss it took um to help the nobodies is we watched uh, a flash dance so you could know right. if you should spend 10 hours watching The Last Dance. Uh, right
1: now, Flashdance, of course, is the uh, the 1983 Jennifer Beals vehicle, and um, I've written up a quick summary. Should we do that first, and then get to sure, our review? Sure, go ahead. Okay, here we go. Here is our my my quickie summary of Flashdance. By day, Alex is a spunky 18-year-old welder at a local steel plant, but by night she dances at Moby's Bar and Grill, the kind of joint an average Joe can go to for a brew and a burger and a game of cards and amateur stand-up comedy and high-concept semi-erotic dance. But although she dreams of a better life, she can't break out of her routine of welding, dancing, and doing sweaty, sexy, all-night workouts in the giant abandoned warehouse she calls home. She dreams of applying to the dance academy down the street, but they don't like her shoes and she runs away. That all changes when she meets Nick, the owner of her steel mill, who is immediately smitten with her and, sidestepping obvious ethical and legal violations, promptly starts sleeping with her. After arranging for her to audition at the local dance academy, Alex and a body double who looks nothing like her perform a music video for the assembled board, and she gets in. And after that, the movie is over. No, really, that is the entire movie.
0: (laughs) Well, you're forgetting, Adam, the, the little side story of her friend who's a skater.
1: There's uh, a couple of good side stories, yeah. I, I, I just wanted to summarize the main plot. But yes, get, yeah. to that, get to that skater.
0: You know what? I saw the movie when it was in the theater years and years ago. And, and by the way, you know, uh-huh. The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, is 10 hours. There's something about Flashdance that feels a little bit like you wasted 10 hours Um, but
1: (laughs) part of it is,
0: I I remember when I saw this, when I was young, um, her, she doesn't have, she, there's not 24 hours in her day. She rides her bike to work. The first place place she goes is to work. She welds. Then she dances at the club. Uh, And then she goes to work out with uh, some friends, and then she goes to the dance school, and then she goes to work, and then she goes to visit this old lady who there's never really any explanation of why she knows this old lady, but apparently the old lady was a former ballet Ballet dancer. dancer. And so so, then she goes to confession, uh, and she's always uh, helping her friend who has sort of a parallel path, except for her friend wants to be a skater... Um, Right. And then she goes out with the guy. Do you see what I'm saying? Many activities fit into one day. You never saw her sleeping. Uh, She had a dog. You never saw her walk the dog or clean up its waste. And let me tell you, that's a large part of dog
1: ownership. Um, Right, but often skipped in movies, let's be honest.
0: Yeah, but there was no, you know, you just didn't get the sense that... Yeah. That she lived and she welded with makeup on, and the other thing is she was eighteen, so yes, she had to have had these longer than twenty-four hour days her entire eighteen years in order of, to cram in all these skills. Because one of the yeah, things, yeah, where did she they- go to
1: welding school?
0: Well, exactly. Welding school—you don't just weld. You don't just grab a torch and start blowing it at metal
1: things. So
0: there. Ha- no, we had a
1: welder. We had an arc welder. I believe. Or no, a general welder on our show, something like episode thirty-five or something, and he he walked us through that. It's it's a complicated thing. Absolutely. Apparently, she was just given a torch,
0: um, and there's no explanation of her backstory other than she never went to a dance school. She only uh, watched. And practiced like she just sort of was a you know a quick study. She could look at what somebody else did, and then do it supposedly. Yeah, which she's
1: self-taught.
0: Yeah, I would question that as well. And the other thing no. was, although you can make good money as a welder, actually, there was this uh-huh. inference that her life was shabby, and yet yes. at one point she's sitting reading a French Vogue. Okay, when she stood in line. The first time to apply for the dance conservatory. Is that what she wanted to do? The,
1: yes. There's, there's there's a dance school that she wants to join. She can't uh, bring herself to audition because she's so intimidated by it. I do want to point out, though, that the, the entire dance school appears to take place in the in a hallway of a museum. Oh, That's all that you might've... see of the dance school is this long hallway full of sculptures uh, with With dancers festooned around the edges, stretching
0: and (laughs) doing bar exercises. They were stretching in the hallway as she walks in to just fill out the form. That's all she was going to do was get the form and fill it out. But they show everybody's feet, and all the other girls are wearing some sort of, you know, uh, toe shoes, some ballet toe shoes, and they show her feet, and she's got on, like, some sort of work boots. Well, you know, French Vogue must have cost, like, 15 bucks. So maybe one of the things she needed to do was budget, because <laughs> I think, I, no, I think that you, without you, the have little to, n- you have
1: to think that she's not where she's not spending a lot on rent because she does live in what looks to be an abandoned warehouse where she yeah. has kind of set up a little kind of apartment area. And she had a, a ballet bar in there. Um, yeah, but you know, I think that that kind of brings me to the thing that is the most remarkable thing about this movie is that although it is trying to depict the gritty reality that she lives, everything that she takes part in seems completely fake. Like, I have never heard of a bar and grill where they play cards at the table and there's somebody doing cabaret dancing. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, and it's not just cabaret dancing. It's yeah, you know the lighting. The you know she does the famous dance that she does where she drops the, you know she pulls a cord and there's a big water drop on her while her back is arched yeah from the over music video. Chair. I,
1: I, oh yes, yeah.
0: I can't I, even imagine. I must have seen that
1: video a hundred times.
0: Uh, yeah, I can't even imagine talking to the owner of the club about having that installed. You know, no, oh, we can't really do a water drop. No, we're, t- we're not really set up for a water drop. That's gonna, we, like,
1: you know, that's gonna get all over the.
0: Bar- that's gonna be all over the floor. I'll have to redo the floor. We can't really do a water drop. Uh, we can have In Richie fact- can shoot you with a water gun. Do you want a water gun? We can yeah, do we that. Yeah, we
1: could can squ- we can squirt you. How about that? We'll have Richie come out and squirt you with water.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're they're not going to go One of the things that I
1: love about that is that in the music video, you just see her do that. You don't see her surroundings. But in the movie, the cut after she dumps the water on her, you get a reverse angle, a reverse shot of the table in the front row where these four fat guys are playing cards and they get splashed and they look upset. They're like, hey, I was just playing cards and having a burger here in Mobby's Bar and Grill, and uh, somehow I got splashed by the lady dancing in lingerie five feet from me. Yeah,
0: they had no, they had no idea such a thing was going to happen. There's a bunch of, um, okay, the one thing I did like, by the way, at one point she's sort of running around with her friends. It was a montage kind of a, a sequence. And um, they show. I mean, I didn't like it because it was somehow realistic in a movie. But there were really cool break dancers, and that was fun to watch. And guys doing the lock thing. What's that called? That dance? Uh,
1: yeah, pop and lock. Yeah. They, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. And there were really cool. The uh, robot. Uh, that stuff looked really great. It made no sense, of course, in the setting where they were just trotting around the city like in *Sound of Music* when they, you know, run all through the town. Um, and, and they, but one of the things is she's going with her friend. She's going past a cop who's directing traffic and he directs traffic in a very, um, theatrical way. And, uh, so he's not saying anything. He's doing miming stuff, you know, but he's doing it kind of dancy. And she, like and she her starts friend, imitating. You're right. She starts imitating him and, and, but there's no reason for it. Like, so she goes back and oh, she's yes, doing but it. There is. It's a fun play. She's having fun with her dance abilities with a cop. And then, honestly, I'm not making this up. Then the cop mimes shooting her. Yeah. It was such foreshadowing.
1: Uh, Of police brutality? Yes.
0: (laughs) It's like we were so, so... I believe, let me just bring up a word from our show. Inured. We've become yeah. so used to the idea of police brutality that in 1983, is that when the movie came out?
1: Yes, it, was, it was.
0: It was considered a fun little gesture in a film.
1: <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Like, here's a funny like, joke. I'm, I pretend to I'm, shoot you, and I'm
1: a cop. Yeah. You imitate me. I pretend to shoot you. We we agree this is funny. The, yeah. But the point of that sequence obviously was that she was absorbing moves from the street, whether they be street dancers or cops, and it informs oh, her. I dance, didn't her, even her, understand
0: th- that. Oh <laughs> yeah, she was
1: building her physical vocabulary because that's that, that was the that's the inspiration she uses in her high concept dances that she does at Mobby's Bar and Grill.
0: <laughs> I didn't understand that. Is that why she yeah. went on the shooting spree after the thing with the cop?
1: Yes. Do you
0: remember that scene where she goes on the no shooting, shooting spree? There was no shooting spree. Yeah, there no, was. No, there wasn't a shooting spree. I'm sure there was.
1: <laughs> it would have yeah. made it a better movie. But, okay, so she has these friends, and they all aspire to better things, too, and they're all terrible at what they do. The The ice skater fails, the uh, The, uh, the short-order cook who leaves to become a stand-up comic, A, he's a terrible comic. He tells, like, knock-knock jokes and Polish jokes and stuff, and, and B, he... Really? T- because I was fails. taking
0: notes when I saw that guy. He's... <laughs> He was the cook and he would make these jokes while he was cooking. And then he gets his chance to go out on stage. And of course, all the guys are paying no attention to him and everything. And he he tells, you know, a couple of really bad jokes and he gets no response. And then somebody shouts, you know, get off the stage. And he turns to the crowd and he says, come on, guys, give me a break. I'm just a cook. And <laughs> and they all turn and start listening to him. So I wrote that down yeah. because, you know, Okay. You know, as a comic, there's always a chance that you're going to bomb. Um Right. You never get so good that you can't do badly, uh which is right. you know. So I wrote I'm writing that on my hand. I don't believe in tattoos, right. but I'm thinking maybe. I'm just a cook. Yeah. Come yeah. on guys, give me a break. I'm just a cook. I think that's Yeah. It was powerful and, drama, and, and, and then after <laughs> that, he was really, he was really doing good.
1: <laughs> yeah, he did fine. I I want to point out that we haven't even talked about the part played by actor Michael Nouri as the love interest. Um, now he early in the movie is brought into Mobby's Bar and Grill because some old fat guy who works for him wants him to see this dancer, the Jennifer Beals character.
0: Oh, I didn't realize and, that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't and know that's
0: why he went in. How did you know that? Did the guy call you? How'd you know that?
1: Because the dialogue that happened was so funny that my wife and I re it and listened to it a couple of times because what happens is- What did they this, say? This guy points out the, Jennifer Beals and, and he's like, and, and, and Michael Nuri's character says, ah, she's fantastic. And the guy says, six, seven, two, eight, nine, four or something like that. And um, Michael Nuri says, What? And the guy who's with him says, that's her social security number. She works for you. Wow. How did he know yeah, her social so my, security number? Well, that's my question. Like, why would he, A, how does he know? Maybe he's the paymaster. I don't know. And B, why is he bringing up her social security number? It's, it's the weirdest, worst dialogue ever. Wait a
0: minute. I recognize that guy now. I remember that scene. Yes, he works in the Trump administration. Yes, I know that guy.
1: (laughs) He might as well. Yeah,
0: he's the guy who can come up with a good-looking girl's social security number, and Trump found a place for him in the administration. This is so, you know, this film was made before a lot of this bad stuff happened, but it really is prescient.
1: It is really prescient. An- another detail I really loved is there's a scene where one of the slightly older dancers at Mobby's Bar and Grill is backstage and she's encouraging Jennifer Beals to not go the way that she went. And she does this hazy, sentimental monologue about how, you know, I used to And she's to looking
0: work. into a mirror while she's yeah. doing
1: it. Oh, absolutely. And I was beautiful and I was dancing at a movie theater and I cared a lot about my costumes, but over time I stopped caring about what the costumes were. And and we were thinking, you know, I was watching it going like, that was co- somewhat moving. And then I was like, just like there's no place like Mobby's Bar and Grill where they do exotic dance, there was no movie theater where they have exotic dancers.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, talking what she about? didn't. Okay, what she didn't mention, and I used to do this for a while, is when you Uh go to a movie theater, I mean, you can't do it now, but you guys, when the stay-at-home order is lifted and when maybe we get a vaccine and we're able to go back into movie theaters, you can just stand up and dance at any time, and you can wear a costume. They will throw you out, but um, you can still do it. (laughs) And that's apparently what she was doing. Um, Yeah, you know, this movie... uh, I think there was uh, cinematography, uh, the way they filmed it, um, that this one in the category of best single tear crying. Uh, Jennifer oh, yeah? Bills, she can drop one tear like nobody I've ever seen. There's so many yeah. scenes where just like one tear would come down. At, like, yeah, at she one never point... balls. No, she does when the old lady's dead. She She does. She goes in to visit the old lady. And somebody who nobody explains why she's there says, "She's dead. She died yesterday."
1: That's all she says to her too. Yeah, it's a character yeah. that we we love that either. It's a character that you've never met before. She goes into the old lady's apartment, to say hi to her, and this this woman that you've never seen says she died yesterday.
0: Yeah, and, and there's it. no explanation as dialogue. to why Jennifer Bills yeah. is just walking through her house. She didn't go. Who are you? Get out. She just said nope. she died yesterday. <laughs> she said. Her valuables are in that top drawer. I'm going to turn my back. Um, all
1: right.
0: Here's something that I don't know if you noticed, Adam, but I think every viewer should when they watch uh, Last Dance, if they choose to. Um, there was a song at one point. Now, I believe the song is called Lady, Lady, Lady. And okay. And the lyrics were fairly repetitive. They weren't very much like the title. There weren't a lot of stanzas, uh, different stanzas anyways. The words were, lady, 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 don't walk that lonely avenue. Let me touch that part of you that you
1: want me to. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, what's your takeaway from that? (laughs) Well,
0: my takeaway is that somewhere in the making of the film, they had... Because, you know, some hit songs were in this movie. So somewhere in the making of this film, um, you know, they had some songs that were, at their time, pop music, good, right? So they had three songs that fell into that category. And then they realized, ah, shit, we have a, we have a scene here that we need a song for, and we forgot to get it. <laughs> and so they said, uh, Save the lights. Let's just stop down a minute. Anybody got a pen? And and some sort of uh, uh, guy that normally uh, is a grip. He normally helps with uh, taping down the cords uh, along the set so that no one trips over him. He happened to have the pen and the paper. And so he came up with... These immortal words, lady, 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 Na- don't lady. walk uh-huh. that lonely avenue. Let me touch that part you want me to. Well, what part do you think he's talking about?
1: Uh, uh,
0: I'm hoping he means his wallet. Um,
1: I- <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, l- let's get to, the, to that relationship stuff because it is really weird.
0: Yeah, there was no, there was no, there was nothing about, he was a very handsome man. But there's absolutely, Mm -hmm. he did absolutely nothing to be charming. There's no, there's nothing you knew about him as a person that would make her go sleep with him. But let's face it, when she got home to that dog one day, she said to the dog, have you been laid today? She actually said that to the dog.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So Clearly. And, 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 yeah, and she pots around her apartment in these ripped clothes and um, collarless sweatshirts that became a, a style at the time. And I do want to say, we really learned nothing about her and her personality either, do we?
0: Well, no, we did learn that she was tough. You know, she was yeah, tough. Yeah, she was tough. You know, she you know, lived in a man's world uh, to some degree. I, I got to say, the scene where she first comes out in this sweatshirt thingy. Um, she's uh-huh. drying her hair. It's it's after she's come home from work. Uh, she's drying her hair, and she has this sweatshirt thing. And the first time you see the sweatshirt thing, it slides off of her shoulder right at that moment. Now, yeah. they must have done, as a person who's made some workout videos and had to do some mm-hmm. extra takes, they must <laughs> yes. have been there for three <laughs> fucking days. Remember when we had on our show... Uh, we had the guy that worked on the nature film series, and he was telling us that you'd be out there for like eight months waiting to get one animal behavior. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah, he was, was like that. I'm sure they must have almost the entire the reason there was no the, the story wasn't really all that compelling is that they spent most of the energy in the movie trying to get that one sweatshirt shot where it slid off her shoulder while she was drying her hair. <laughs> That's not easy to do.
1: Well, I got to say, while that might not be accurate, it does seem like most of the movie was spent trying to make her look adorable. She just did like look adorable, spunk, actually. Sp- spunky and adorable and, you know, free-spirited. And 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 that that seemed to be where a the bit of a little of a lot of energy put into choreography.
0: Well, you know, she explained that you don't need choreography. She a it on her date with the guy where they went to like a steel warehouse or a steel what or something. Here's what <laughs> right. said. When you she said: your you just takes your Some nights, she said, I can't wait to get out there just so I can disappear. That was one of the really powerful one tier
1: scenes. (laughs) And because I was watching the movie with a dancer, instructor, choreographer, I said to her, that's exactly how it works. Right, Jeannie? And she said, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Your body just takes off. I The body
1: just takes off. There's no planning. There's no choreography involved. <laughs> well, that brings us to the next point, which is that it's very un- inartfully done. That she she doesn't. The actress herself doesn't really dance, and there's a body double. I'm I'm. I was told that there were two body no, doubles. No, there was One of them was a man. No, yes. that's her. And it's not even a body double who looks like her.
0: No, she was dancing. No, when she dances, she gets bigger. No, that was her. <laughs>
1: I mean, it is super clumsy, because there's all these cuts of her face as she spins and twirls, but just from the shoulders up, and then you see this completely other person dancing.
0: You know the other thing I couldn't figure out? She has friends... Uh, she has a girlfriend that she really cares about. She has the guy, Richie, like they're all close. And then they all just keep like threatening to leave one another. And when she does her one tear scene and she says, sometimes I-, I can't wait to get out there just to disappear. It's hard to figure out what's the misery that she's trying to escape. It all looks pretty good to me. But um <laughs> the other thing is she expresses, Not a bad point.
1: <laughs> she expresses
0: this really, really sad thought to this rich Guy who owns the the place where she does the welding, and yes. he and he finds it just um, stimulating. He leans in and and starts making out with her. You that might be a time to say, well, what yeah. makes you feel that way? Well, why is that? He's like, well, here I'm no. gonna let you Instead disappear he's like, some he's like, more. Hey,
1: how about making this disappear? Huh? Yeah,
0: exactly. I got something <laughs> that'd like to disappear into you. How about that? <laughs>
1: You're right, okay. he doesn't... Oh, oh uh... wait,
0: wait, there's a, okay, there's a really important thing here. Okay, so, there's, <laughs> she goes to the ballet one night with the old lady before the old lady dies, because if you wait till after d- the old lady her, dies...
1: During her death, yeah. She, she didn't yeah. have
0: the strength to drag her. So, um, she goes to the ballet, <laughs> and she comes out. Now, she's already slept with the rich guy, and now she comes out, right. and she sees the rich guy, Nick, uh, getting into the car with a woman, And uh, so she, she feels like, well, he's seduced her, but he's cheating on her with this other person is what she surmises. So um, she rides her bike to his house and she throws a rock through his window and then she rides away and he has no idea that it was her who threw the rock through his window. But when he goes to see her the next day, she's very angry. Um, because she believes right. that he, you know, seduced her and then cheated on her, and so she says, "I saw you. I have eyes, don't I? I saw you at the at the ballet. I saw you with the blonde." Now, this incident very well done, Paula. took place the night before. Okay, it was yeah. the night before, and Nick stands there and he goes, "Blonde, blonde, at the ballet." Blonde, <laughs> and finally he goes, finally he goes, "Oh." That was my ex-wife. Yeah. It took him that long to figure out who he was with the night before. <laughs> that was huh, apparently blonde, an blonde. innocent thing, by the way, anyways. But it was, yeah, he couldn't remember. That right away should have been an indication to anybody, I suppose, other than an 18-year-old girl, um, that maybe the guy's not all that honest. Uh, wasn't there flash dance 2? Was there? I believe there was where they figure out I that he also imagine. cheated on taxes. Um, there's one. <laughs> By the way, did you recognize him because he's in the Trump administration? He's he works with Mnuchin. the Michael guy who played. Nuri? Yeah, the guy who played Nick. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 he's very big in that. Um, yeah, any anybody I who's was associated not with aware tax. Of that. Yeah, they love tax cheating. Yeah. Um, yeah. They sure do. Oh, my gosh. A blonde. Wow. A blonde. So, you know, again, tying this into the world that we live in, right now with the protesters and Black Lives Matter and a lot of us reflecting on our lives and saying, wait a minute, how have we let these terrible social illness of racism go on for so long? Uh, when we kind of sort of knew about it but we didn't really know about it unless you were black okay let me just say to young people who are outraged by all this as well they should be in 1983 people liked flash dance (laughs) okay Um,
1: I'm trying to understand the connection here we were a troubled
0: generation to begin with that's what I'm saying (laughs) We're not that uh, I bright. Get it, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah we well, yeah. So young generation, I mean, it is.
0: they'll never really understand us until they live the world the way we lived it, which was Flashdance was supposedly a good movie.
1: Yes, it didn't get great reviews at the time, to be fair. Did you see it when you
0: were, I, I mentioned it to Wendell, and he said, uh-huh. oh, the movie where the girl takes her bra off under the sweatshirt? Is that what you remember about it?
1: (laughs) I didn't see it when I was um, I didn't see it when I was a a kid. Although I guess a lot of people did see it because I recognized so many things that people thought were cool at the time that must have come from that movie, including the sweatshirts and the the jeans and and yes, the taking off the bra under the sweatshirt.
0: Yeah, and the ankle. That was a thing. See, that's a again, the younger generation will never really understand that back then our ankles were cold. Just always you had a nip in your ankle. Did you ever wear ankle warmers, Paula? No, but only because I couldn't afford them. Uh, But I would (laughs) have. I would have. I wanted to fit in as much as the next guy.
1: Uh, Well, it is a remarkably bad movie. I want to point out that it was written by Joe, Joe Esterhaus. And the the reason I, I point that out is not because I want to credit him, but if you want somebody to blame. (laughs) Oh, I see. (laughs) Yeah. The script makes the rest of the movie impossible, I think.
0: The whole the sweatshirt lobby took off during that film cuz they want you to oh, cut yeah. up your sweatshirt because then it doesn't last as long.
1: Um, That's absolutely true. I don't, I don't believe in true. cutting
0: my clothes in any way. There was another scene where she was in jeans that had clearly been, you know, manufactured to have big holes in the knees. I, you know what? When I buy new jeans, I don't even take the tags off. I want them to stay new for as long as they possibly can. The idea that I would buy them and then cut them up is just
1: an anathema to me, I believe.
0: Well, anyway, so there. I think that's that was the movie there, you guys. There, there it
1: is. So yeah. So Paula Poundstone. I, now it's the time where we actually sum up what we've done. Um, based on your experience of seeing Flashdance, what a feeling for the first time. Do you advise our listeners to uh, view the Last Dance, the Michael Don't Jordan do documentary? Don't do it.
0: That's what I say. Don't do it. It's uh. It's not. It's not. <laughs> these dance films aren't worth
1: it. Yeah, you know, and I have to say, and I because we have to accept the premise of the way we do things. Although the Last Dance, uh, those that ten episode Michael Jordan documentary, is fantastic and riveting, and occasionally heart wrenching, and one of the best things I've seen in the last year. Based on Flashdance, I'm going to advise you all not to see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's that scene where Michael Jordan pulls the chain and all the sweat from the other players lands on his head. It's, oh, it's gross,
1: yeah. It's gross. Yeah, yeah. Which gross. disrupts the lunch of the coaching staff. They're having burgers and playing cards right next to it. <laughs> okay. Well, there it is, well, ladies and gentlemen. There it is, our review. And you know what? When we come back, hey, kids, we're here to share our summer camp stories with you so that it can feel like you did go to camp this summer. That's when Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone returns. The Cat of the Week is Peter Grave from Wawaka, Indiana. And we're back. And once again, thank you, Lindsay Goodman on The Flute, The Flutist. And by the way, Paula, she did reply to you uh, when we were speculating as to flutist or flautist. She prefers flutist.
0: Yeah, flautus sounds vaguely sexual. Oh, what a feeling. <laughs> flautus sounds like, uh, wait, uh, flautus reminds me of the Lady, Lady, Lady song. Really? Yeah.
1: And you think that Lady, Lady, Lady song is sexual now?
0: Oh, the Lady, Lady. Oh, wait, hold it. I gotta, wait. Lady, 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 don't walk that lonely avenue. Let me touch that heart sure. you want me to.
3: <laughs> yeah. you mean you, mean, we, my, we have you ne- mean my
0: we you mean my don't touch my flautist.
1: <laughs> like well, you see there's it doesn't specify anything sexual is my point it's it's what you bring to it, and you seem to be bringing something um dirty to it,
0: I, my flautist? no, my flautist is beautiful, Adam, it's not dirty, oh I just don't oh. want. I just don't want the performer who sang that song was Joe Esposito. I just don't want Joe Esposito touching my flautist, but it's beautiful. You know, it's a beautiful thing to be a woman, Adam.
1: <laughs> there is no part of this conversation I'm comfortable with at this moment, so I'm going to change the subject. Hey, Paula. But wait a it's minute. Summertime. I just want to talk to what? you about
0: one thing. I've been walking that what? lonely avenue. Sure. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> it's over near Miranda. Um, the lonely oh, you avenue. shouldn't walk
1: that lonely... I don't want... You shouldn't walk that lonely avenue. I just want to touch that part you want me to.
0: <laughs> don't touch me. Just, just don't, just don't touch my flautist Just... I really don't look, want you to wanna, touch my
1: floutist. Let's stipulate that the part I want to touch is not your floutist because you've already stipulated that you don't want me to touch that. I, yeah, that's so... That's so and, that, and thank I you. think I was very clear that I only wanted to touch that part that you wanted me to touch.
0: Oh, I see. This is very Okay, good. This is very <laughs> post me too. Uh, being, I think that's really
1: Thank you, Joe good. Esposito for respecting boundaries.
0: Yeah, Joe Esposito. <laughs>
1: what a performer.
0: Oh, boy. That's the <laughs> one song. He was a, I'm a maniac, maniac for you. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, oh, what a feeling. Don't touch my All right, flutist. we're moving into
1: summertime now, Paula. Okay, <laughs> we, su- we summer did camp. F- summer
0: uh, camp. Did you go?
1: I went to... Well, I didn't go to sleepaway camps. I went to various day camps. What about uh, you? Well,
0: it doesn't have to be sleepaway camp. I didn't go to then, summer yes. camp. Um, I think my sisters did when they were a little, but I didn't go to summer camp until high school, and I went to basketball camp. Um, and I... I got a scholarship by being a table busser at the camp. But I I guess the first time my dad did pay for it, and it was in Pennsylvania. It was Pat Kennedy's Pocono Invitational Basketball Camp. I went for two weeks. And uh, not through any fault of their own, but I do still suck at basketball. Um, But... I loved it Um, when I was, uh, let's see, you know, you got a cabin with a bunch of other girls or a couple of, uh, you you know, bunk beds. I stayed on the top bunk. I was delighted. And uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this story before. So there was a girl that I met that wasn't in my cabin and she was a good player and she was a little aggressive, but she was a a good player and she wasn't on But Good
1: players tend to be aggressive.
0: Well, I guess, but I mean, she was aggressive like personality wise. You know? Oh, okay. So um, for some reason, she got the idea that my name was Janet. And I have a long history of doing this. I tend to be just whoever someone thought I was. <laughs> um, this happened to me a lot when I was a kid. A number okay. of times people had my name wrong and I just never corrected them. Or they thought I was someone else entirely. Not even just my name. They just thought I was somebody else. Um, and I just never corrected them because it felt like an awkward conversation to me. So this girl thinks I'm Janet. So I just, you know, I'd see her like around during the day. Say, hey, she'd say, hey, Janet. And I'd say, hey, how you doing, you know? And, um, and that yeah. was fine. But there was a singles competition. And uh, it was, you know, uh, elimination, right? So you get your schedule okay. of who you were supposed to play uh, a one-on-one game with. And the kids from your cabin or your friends would come cheer you on. So I get scheduled to play against the girl who thought my name was Janet. So, you know, we're playing and my whole cabin comes and I didn't tell anybody that I had done this, but my whole cabin comes to watch and they're cheering me on and I really suck. So it's hard not to switch sides and cheer on the other girl. Um, But they're cheering me on and, uh, And at one point, the girl I'm playing, my opponent, asked me a question or something. She says something, and she she goes, Janet, Janet. And I I didn't realize she was talking to me. Janet. And then finally she goes, Janet, are you deaf? And the whole cabin goes, well, no, but her name's not Janet. And I just felt (laughs) so embarrassed. I was, like, so humiliated that I had never, and the girl was, like, kind of crestfallen because she thought we were friends, and I was living this secret Janet life.
1: Uh, what happened after that? I mean, did you did you manage to knit things up with her?
0: Uh, no, I think there was always a, a mistrust there after that.
1: Um, well, I know. would think so. In, in her mind, you had just misled her.
0: Yeah, Whereas you were was. just
1: going along to get along, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. Which is, you know, it's yeah. all this whole story goes to say why I never um joined the CIA. That kind of lying. I just <laughs> I just don't feel good about that.
1: All right. Well, that's a that's a wonderful summer camp story. Now we're gonna take this around the horn because everybody's gonna share their summer camp story. So let's move to uh Tony Anita Hall, our producer. <laughs> Step up. Step step into your peplos and into the booth and tell us your <laughs> summer camp memories, Tony.
3: Um, you must
0: have been great in summer camp.
3: No, I was not. I um, I, I went to thespian camp in high school and I was just not. I was not cool there. So um, but it, it, thespian camp. Thespian camp.
1: You mean like, like drama, drama camp? Drama
3: camp. Yeah. Um, I just it just I was very intimidated and scared. It, I don't remember it being pleasant, but it's Aww. okay. I, 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 yeah, that that's it. <laughs> it was. <laughs> wait, wait, how Aww. how old were you, Tony, when you went to Thespian camp? I was probably like sixteen, seventeen. I was, I mean, I was older. I think it was like my between sophomore <laughs> yeah. and junior year, and then junior and wow. senior.
1: And I mean, uh, I- uh, now, now Tony, you so your summer camp memory is that you just didn't like it and you didn't fit <laughs> <Yes>. in. <laughs> That's the, that's the anecdote. I mean, I don't want to criticize you, Tony, but Paula should, Paula brought some game here. She brought the whole Janet story.
0: Okay, but what... Okay, but Tony, you're not filling in enough of the backstory here. Okay, what Tony that's is what not... That's what I'm saying. What she's not telling you about thespian camp, and the reason that she was intimidated, is um, this was a camp for all ages, and she was in there with uh, Meryl Streep, Nicholas Cage, Dustin Hoffman, Teller right. Tony, J- Jack Nick Nicholson. Uh Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Jack Nicholson. Dame D- Maggie Smith who was
1: who was something like 60 when Tony was born.
0: Well, this is my point. It was a camp for all ages and uh okay. so it was very very uh very very intimidating uh for her. Um <laughs> Do you I remember guess that, that must be it, Tony, right, Tony? It, that, what scene did you do with Dustin Hoffman? <laughs> Tell them that story.
3: <laughs> um, you know, I did...
0: Uh, Tony,
1: do you remember <laughs> a Craper play that you Scraper. did?
3: Um, In high school, yeah. I just, No, in camp! No, it at thespian camp. <laughs> no, we didn't do plays. We just did... I don't even remember what... I think we did, like, an audition class, and um, I don't... I, I would give you details, but I don't remember them. Wow. She's I truly don't. It. She's just yeah, blocked, ton- blocked ton- it Tony. This thing. is something I
1: usually say to Bonnie, but you you failed this assignment.
3: <laughs> I just can't. I I'm sitting here like trying to recall details and I cannot at all. So I failed you. I'm sorry, guys.
0: Yeah. I don't blame you at all because uh all the stress of there was Ben Affleck, there was uh I, I mean just so many Joaquin phoenix there was just so much pressure um and there you were a little 16 year old uh tony anita hall oh, that was a lot of and you did audition practice
3: we did we had like coaching and auditioning and things like that but i just that's all. what did
0: they tell you do you remember anything i
3: i do like you walk up in the room take your space right like set yourself don't just like hop into talking um and that I remember. I remember very specifically. But, and then.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting
3: <laughs> that you say that
0: because in Flash Dance, <laughs> Alex went in and she put a record on for herself to dance to. And then she started and she screwed up and she said, Can I start again? And then she went back and started the record again. She took her space, Tony.
3: See? Do you remember yeah. Jennifer Beals being <laughs> in your camp? I do in her sweatshirt and her body
1: double. Did they bunk together?
3: Exactly in her sweatshirts. <laughs> um, then yeah, yeah. She was yeah. the cool well, kid. Well, we I'm clearly sorry, have to guys. delve
1: into this a little more. I just no, it's it's okay, I, Tony. It's it's okay. It's just I, it's just a show. I, <laughs> no big deal.
3: I'm an introvert, and so I just like I guess I, whatever. Move on to
1: Bonnie. (laughs) I'm done. Bonnie Burns.
0: What made you want to go to thespian camp? Was this forced on you? Did you have like parents that were like, um, you know, stage parents?
3: Well, in high school, I was thespian club president. So like that was one of the things I it was like one of my duties. And I was going to school to study theater. And I thought and I went for two years in a row. And I don't think I had fun either year. But It was just something I was supposed to do, so I did it.
1: All right, now yeah. you're going to make me cry. Yeah. Wow. If Jennifer Beals,
0: if Jennifer Beals is listening right now, there is one tear coming down the left side of her face. Honest, honestly, so it's a one tear scene right but now. But
1: it's not. I want to point out that those, those, that it's not a little tear. It's not like a little droplet. It's oh, no, those, it was like that a one big. big
0: yeah, it yeah, was like a, a glob. Like, it was like, yeah, yeah, like it took. Okay, remember the bucket of water they dumped on her? There were five tears in yeah. that bucket.
1: <laughs> Only five. That's a full bucket of tears.
0: Um, Tony, when you were at Thespian Camp, did you enjoy the sex scene you did with Tim Robbins?
3: <laughs> no.
1: He's very I, tall, Tony.
3: I
0: love Tim Robbins. But I think 16 is a little young to be doing sex scenes in yeah. in thespian camp. That's what I think.
1: Especially since Tim Robbins was not 16 at the time.
0: No, it was an all-ages camp. <laughs> there was something a little corrupt <laughs> about it.
1: <laughs> all right, Bonnie Burns, what about your summer camp experience?
2: Okay, well, you know, I was a little nervous about this segment because I thought we would make kids feel badly when we set our summer camp experiences and then, like they would be so great, kids would go, "Oh, jeez!" But I think, like, I had the best summer camp experience. I went to camp Colloquia. Camp colloquia which is on a lake. Colloquia. Camp colloquia. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I think, a campfire Girl camp. Okay. And in the morning, we get up and I just, raise the flag. I just need
0: to say one thing Campfire Girls, for the young people who might not know, was uh, a league. Okay, thank it was, you. Um, well, it was a feminist league of arsonists that was started. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes.
0: It was very popular because a lot of girls weren't really into arson back then. It was always male dominated. And so it this was, was Arson wh- was
1: always a male dominated crime.
0: Exactly, and so this was a way of you know moving the era forward. That so we had camp <laughs> campfire girls and uh, yeah, campfire. Girls. Bonnie was a little firebug. Yeah. Okay, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Camp okay. colloquial.
2: So we'd have reveille like the horn would blow in the morning. Right. Then we'd go
0: to the where the flagpole was, which was surrounded with like that was the horn. White just rocks reminding you to go to the flagpole. So oh wait, there were they white
2: rocks. Raise the flag. Yeah. We had a big dining hall. They used to sing a song before we could drink our juice. (laughs) And there were – no, it was so much fun. We could – we had to swim across the lake and back. We could get, like, a patch. This was the part I was going to tell that I thought would be, like, interest a lot of people. There was something we made with, like, flour, water, and I think maybe salt, like a dough. And then we got sticks (laughs) – it, the whole camp was like in a forest kind of thing. We got six <laughs> sticks and we'd wrap the dough around the sticks and then bake it, like cook it over an open fire. And it made sort of like a, if you put a hot dog in a hot dog in a whatever you like call a pig, it. Like pig a pig in a blanket kind of a thing? Pig in a blanket. But we didn't have the hot dog in there. Huh. Just the round part of the dough. So you made and- hot dough on a
1: stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs>
3: What kind of, what kind of <laughs>
1: fucked up campfire girl camp is that? They were. That's a, that's, boy, those were that's like sales below people. beginner's achievement.
2: <laughs> okay, wait. There was more. Then they taught us like how to take like, well, you might know how to do this cardboard. Like you make it into thin strips and you wrap it around like snake around and you put it in a little like tuna fish can and there was something you poured <laughs> in there and that made a flame and we'd cook something on top of that.
1: So <laughs> no, like no. a homemade sterno.
0: Yeah. Was there, Bonnie? Was there? How did you know about what? this camp? Were there brochures for it, or was it word of mouth? Was it really a camp, or just whatever oh, your parents—whatever your parents heard on the police scanner? How did they find out about this camp?
1: <laughs> yeah, this sounds this sounds a lot more like a kidnapping situation than a camp.
0: I know. I'm just trying to picture the sales thing. Like they show like a happy kid with some dough on a stick, and, and a kid. <laughs> They show the joy that comes to a life when a kid makes a sterno. It's a it's a camp for kids who aspire someday to be caterers. What was the name of the camp again? Camp Coloqua. Camp Coloqua. Camp Colloquia. Okay, but that's a uh, that's a Native American name that means chafing dish. It's. Uh... <laughs> It's a camp for future then, like, caterers. The- this is fantastic, boy. Your parents, your parents had plans. I was pretty sure that
1: Coloqua was a, an intestinal parasite. <laughs> <laughs> that the, possibly named after the lake that Bonnie was swimming in.
2: <laughs> no, it was a great experience. I hated going home. There'd be a big bonfire the last night. You know, they taught you your all these home camp must have songs. Sucked. Yeah. My <laughs> They taught you all these camp songs. I can't believe you guys didn't have this kind of camp experience. No, I did And then the last night, we'd all get up and talk, and
0: we'd all cry. We didn't want to go home. Right. So there were so there was a big bonfire on the last night where they burned all the evidence. Were there lime baths?
1: <laughs> Come on, campers. It's the burn the evidence bonfire. Your parents will be here in oh, a few hours. I just hours.
2: remembered. I just remembered what we'd say. That would be like okay, you know, good night or something. Wohilo.
3: So <laughs> not okay.
2: Wohilo.
0: Why did you say that? Is that some that kind would of be like
2: I don't know, like not goodbye, but like is that days some kind of like faux Native
1: American you know, stuff going would, on there? They Whoa, would he-lo? say
0: no. They used to. S- Say wahilo, well, and they told Bonnie it meant good night. And then she would walk to her cabin, and then still hear everybody else out there. And she would yell from her little her little bunk bed. Didn't you already say wahilo? Well, it um, was. It was just, <laughs> it was just a word like they, they remembering made up. So much.
2: What? Say that again. I'm sorry. I'm remembering so much. Like at the end, they'd go. Day is done. Gone the sun. <laughs> you get the idea. No. Well, yeah. that, that, <laughs> well. Right, they'd hum, and we'd be sitting around the fire. Doesn't that sound fun?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds okay. <laughs> it sounds okay. I mean, thank you for sharing, Bonnie. Um, no You problem, know what? I just,
0: want, I just want to say, my hat is off to Bonnie, who in the past, when we've asked her to remember something, um, we said, well, okay, tell an eighth grade science experience, and she would just Google right. eighth grade science. So this is the first <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> This is the first time that she's really dug down into her own memory. And there is a treasure chest of beautiful memories there. I mean, frying dough on a stick and (laughs) and, and (laughs) and going to bed before the other campers and uh, uh, making a sterno and then uh, uh, some sort of mass grave towards the end of the night. (laughs) And... Not not wanting to go home, and I'm assuming many children didn't, um, right? Go home. That is uh, wow. That's
2: yeah, quite no, a story. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure
1: Bonnie was one of the few that made it out of there. Um, yeah. So thank you for that. Well, hello, Bonnie.
2: Yeah. Well, hello. Well, hello, hello
0: Paula.
1: Whoa. Well, hello, Tony. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, hello. All right. So I'm, <laughs> I'll share a I'll share a, a, a summer camp memory. Well, you're, you're, um, it's too
0: bad you're in this position. You're you, because I, I yeah. don't think there's anything to come back to follow. There's nothing that's going to beat the fried dough on a stick story. Uh,
1: no, I'm, not, I'm never going to be able to top that. But as I said, I went to day camp. By the time I think I was 13 or 14, I was getting summer jobs instead of camp. But up until 13 or 14, I went to day camps. Um, and for so my last couple of years of camps, I went to this um, arts camp where I majored in piano. That's not important. What's important is that it was because it was there was it wasn't that close to my house. There was about an hour to an hour and a half each way, so about 3 hours a day spent on the bus. Wow. So, so in so in some ways the experience on the bus was as important as this uh experience in the camp because you spent sure. as, as as much time on the bus with these kids as you did with the the campers that you were grouped with when you got there. Right. Wow and and it was on that bus at the age of 12 that I ended up with my first ever girlfriend and I did it through the power of sarcasm. What happened was we were all we all hung out at the back of the bus. So had me oh, and Karen really? and Karen and John and Rick and Kara and we all hung out in the back of the bus. Um, and towards the end of the summer, I remember it was getting to John and Karen started dating and that shocked me because I was, uh, I think I'd just turned 12 and I, I didn't live in a world where people were going out with each other. And I don't even, I didn't even know what going out really meant because nothing changed when John and Karen declared that right. they were going out. Yeah. So you don't really go so anyway, out
0: at that age because you don't, in fact, the, go out.
1: Exactly. Yeah, so, so it didn't really mean anything, but it did. Right. And I'm sitting uh, one day towards the end of camp, I'm sitting uh, in, in one of those high-backed seats, uh, t- uh, slumped down, talking to my friend Kara. And one of the littler kids from the front of the bus, because only us cool older kids could sit in the back of the bus, you know, peered over the seat, looked at me and Kara and said, are you two going out? And I said, completely sarcastically, yeah, we are just to make the kid go away. And he ran forward and told the whole bus. We could hear, we laughed as he told the whole bus. And, and then Kara looked at me and said, are we? <laughs> and and I, said, I said, I thought to myself, it can't be this easy. So, but so I said, <laughs> uh, yeah, do you want to? And she said, yeah. And from that point on until the end of the summer, me and Kara were going out. <laughs> wow.
0: Is that how? Wow! <laughs> is that how it happened with with Gina, your wife as well?
1: Somebody yeah, said, she, "Are I, you guys married?" Said, and you I, went, "Yeah." Yeah, I said, "Yeah, I'm really gonna marry her." And
0: then and, and then said, she said, Done. "Are we?" Yeah.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, and I said, "Yeah, it was yeah. that easy."
0: Yeah, that's why people need to stay away from sarcasm. Because. <laughs> It can really get you in trouble. Oh my gosh, that's a yeah. The bus was uh, the bus was my my daughter Allie went to. I might have told you this story before. Stop me if I have. My daughter Allie used to go to a summer camp, and this bus would come by and pick them up, and I would you know walk her out and you know see her onto the bus, and then I used to and I what grade could she have been in? Maybe I don't know. Maybe uh, second, third, maybe. Um, and, you know, they tell all the kids to click their seatbelts, you know, so I would say to the kids, everybody unclick your seatbelt, unclick your seatbelt. And uh, and then I go, OK, see. Ya. <laughs> and um, I was just being silly. And so Allie says to me one day, she says, she says, Mom. Everyone hates it when you do that. I don't know why you do that. It's so embarrassing. I don't know why you do that. So, you know, I felt terrible. So it's okay. I won't do that anymore. So a day or two goes by where I get her on the bus and I, I just say, bye, Allie. And that's that. And then one of the camp counselors that was on the bus comes up to me like the next day and she goes, you know, the kids think it's so funny when you ask them to take your seat belts off. Will you do that again? Oh, Yeah. See, that's why you wow. don't ask. You just don't ask my daughter, Allie, how it's going over. She's just <laughs>
1: she's, a t- she's a terrible audience. Well, you know, kids are embarrassed by their moms, even when, you know, their friends actually think their moms or dads are cool. My At least kids, that's what I tell my myself. My kids were
0: embarrassed of me, even when they were infants, which is unusual.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not with her.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, well, well, that, that's that's some great summer memories there.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think,
1: um, you know what? Kara Newman, Paula. Her name was Kara Newman. Just hit me. Kara Newman? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh boy. She's I'll bet she's kicking herself now.
1: Yeah, look what you missed out on, Kara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, broke there's, my the heart.
0: One, there's the one that got away. She got she only wishes <laughs> she could dance just so she could leave herself. Um, well, thank you all so much for sharing those. Camp stories, and Tony, I'm assuming you're so quiet because you're still trying to remember the name of the camp. (laughs) Thespian camp.
3: No memories. I have no memories.
0: Do you remember, Tony, when you did the scene with William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy at camp? Do you remember that?
3: No, not at all. And you'd think I would remember that. Wow, this is
0: is a terrible shame for all of this. Yeah. To have just left wow. you.
1: Well, I, um, well, ain't ain't that some hot dough on a stick? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's what I got out of this entire summer camp thing. Is, is that uh, that's my new that's my new expression?
2: Oh, it's a great expression. I think you're gonna try it with your kids. No, I think we should all try it again.
1: Dough on a stick, never.
2: No, you wrap it around the you, stick. Like you, you get a reasonably fat a stick.
3: Like bon, you
1: take it off a tree. Funny, I, I I get where a stick comes from. I, I don't understand <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why you think I don't under I don't understand the concept of flour, water, and salt making dough.
2: So okay. So Adam and then don't you think that'd be fun for them? They wrap you. it around the stick and you over an open fire, you you oh. know, yeah, and then Roast we can it.
1: and then we can play drop the rock where they hold <laughs> up a rock and, I, and drop it.
3: It is a thing, by the way. You know, and then we'll make then we'll
1: make water shakes. I think it you're is? not
0: what you're not realizing Adam is that a stick really starts from a seed. And uh <laughs> Hey Adam, answer the phone. Oh. Adam, answer the phone. Really? Yes.
1: Oh god. Uh, yeah. hello.
0: Oh, hello. Hello, am I am, am I the 100th caller?
1: Uh no, you're uh, your caller number uh your caller number 80 actually. Congratulations. Oh, oh,
0: hello Adam. It's me, Winnie Winnie Rose Feynman. I I really okay. want to hang out with you after the game and my mother wants a juicer, which she says you can't touch because of her crock pot.
1: Oh, I don't. I never received your mom's crock pot, which I told you not to send me anyway, and I don't even know what, why we're talking about a juicer. But it's good to hear from you, Winnie. I was worried about you last time, so how are you?
0: Well, I'm good. Uh, I went to camp. Uh...
1: <laughs> Winnie, are you calling to share your camp experience?
0: Well, no, I just was reminded I did also go to Thespian Camp. I remember there was, was this one. Shy girl who used to just sit in the corner of her cabin and say, I'm never going to remember this. No matter what happens, I'm not going to remember this.
1: <laughs> oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. She used to say, uh. I'm going to forget all of you no matter what. And that means you, Meryl Streep. She used to say that. This girl, I forget her name. Um, we had a juicer, Adam. We did have a juicer. My mother wants a new juicer. because What happened to the old one? It got burned in the fire.
1: Oh, that's right. Now, uh, for, for our listeners who are, for, for for our listeners, if this is your first episode of Nobody Listens to Vol of Boundstone, um Winnie Rose Feynman, uh, or Winnie Feynman, I have to stop saying Rose, it's not her real middle name. It's uh, my middle name, a it of happens,
0: week- Matt, Adam, it happens to be your favorite flower, I remember that. But it is yeah, my it, middle it, name, it, it, it's a funny coincidence, Winnie Rose Feynman. It's not.
1: Anyway, um, Winnie had uh, lit a bunch of candles in paper bags, lanterns, all over her house the last time she called, and I they think spirit- you burned your house down, didn't you, Winnie?
0: No, I didn't burn the house down. The fire department said the source of the fire was my spiritual candles in the little paper bags. They created a raging <laughs> okay. inferno, but they were peaceful okay. before that. Um, but Adam... Okay, <laughs> And that's yes. how my mother lost to juicer. It did not. It did not burn down the whole house. It it ripped through the pantry. We had to have beans that were already cooked for a week. Um, Adam, there's bigger <laughs> news than that.
1: What's uh, the big news, Winnie? Did
0: you hear about what's been going on?
1: You mean the COVID nineteen epidemic?
0: No, not that. Brian Cranston. It's Bryan Cranston. He is starred in a production of Love Letters. I couldn't get the rights to do Love Letters at the Herschel Bernardi Community Theater in Huntington, New York, so I was forced to write an original play called Love Texts, which you and I will be performing after the pandemic.
1: Now, I have, yes, I've told you many a time that I am not interested in performing that play, but i got to tell you, I received um, a court order. From some court out on Long Island, New York, um, is telling me that I had to.
0: Yes, yeah. because we, there was a, we, it's a contractual obligation that we have to Herschel Bernardi Jr. We, we couldn't do love texts until there's a vaccine because it's a real tearjerker. And people will pull down their masks to wipe their nose and express respiratory droplets. <laughs> it's a dangerous production. But Brian Cranston, Adam, he took love letters from us. That bastard. I'm not upset for me, Adam. I'm upset for you. Love letters could have been your big break. You could have gotten out of the rough and tumble world of podcasting. You could have gotten away from Paula Poundstone. So I've come up with a plan to knock Brian Cranston off his high horse. You and I will do a Zoom production of Breaking Bad. I'll really? send. The, I, I send. The, I'm going to send the script to producer Tony Anita Hall, and we'll rehearse next week.
1: Um, Winnie, I I want you to know that there's no part of this that I'm comfortable with. Um, I feel like you've you've got, getting a little obsessive about me, and have for quite a while. And um, I if love not for you, that court Adam. Order, I'm not
0: obsessed with you. I love you. And that that okay. that, that Brian to that. We're going to get him, Adam. We're going to get Brian Cranston, that cock-sucking Adam Fulmer wannabe. I I got to go. Adam, I got to go. (laughs) I got to go. My mother's calling me. We're having beans again. Bye.
1: (laughs) Wow. Did she really just call him what I thought she did? She's really
0: upset because Brian Cranston did a production of Love Letters. Winnie's been talking about doing Love Letters for I don't know how long. How dare Brian uh, yeah, Cranston do that?
1: I, and he was I personally can't believe that I'm, I'm being legally compelled to rehearse this, this play with this. No, mad you're contractually
0: woman. obliged. You made you made certain uh, promises, and you just can't do that. I
1: didn't though. That's a, you know, I, I, I didn't enter into the contract in any way.
0: It was a verbal contract. Yes, you did. Um, <sighs>
1: Paula, do you, to the- uh, <laughs> do you have anything to promote? What? Do you have anything to promote?
0: Do I? Yes, my store, yeah. poundstone.com. You can get the Poundstone Pussy Pillows there, which are rectangular-shaped uh, pillows uh, filled with uh, catnip, and then there's a joke on one side, and I'm happy to autograph it to your cat, which you can fill out online when you order it. There's a little section where you fill out the name of your cat. I'm happy to autograph it to your cat um, before we send it away to you. Um, also, by It has the way, a grommet,
1: too, doesn't it?
0: It does. It has a grommet that you can uh, tie a string to so that you can make it more enticing to your cat. I, however, do not provide the string. I, I, you have to do something for yourselves, people. So, uh, Or so- do
1: you? Because, Paula, I, I, as you know, I created this um, this sort of cottage industry that's uh, somewhat parasitically feeding off of your industry. That is, if you feel like Paula should be tying the string on and and hasn't, You can buy a Poundstone Pussy Pillow, and I know that name can be offensive to some people, and send it to me, and I will tie the string to the grommet and send it back to you with my autograph on it, thereby taking away the Poundstone Pussy Pillow moniker and replacing it with the much less offensive Felber's Feline Fun Bags.
0: Wow. So we're going to keep, you and I are going to keep the post office alive single-handedly.
1: With these two businesses. And I I do want to say I have to bring this up because Bonnie Burns brought it up to me. There have been people on our Facebook page and I guess elsewhere online uh, who saw the picture of our first customer of Felber's Feline Fun Bags who are complaining about the what they consider a poor quality string that I tied to those Feline Fun Bags. And I just want to say that here at my household, we use only the highest quality string.
0: You know, this is part of the reason that I didn't attach the string myself. People are very touchy about that. (laughs) It's
3: a a cutthroat world of string
0: out there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. The other thing available at my website are uh, Rx Laughter Videos. I have a few video series that are up there. Uh, For example, I've referenced today my workout videos are up on the website, paulapoundstone.com. And, you know, if you have friends where you've tried to explain to them about listening to the podcasts, if you've gone through the simple, sample dialogue with some friends and they've said, yes, I want to listen, but how? And you've had to say, well, you click here and you click there and then you click over there. Uh, click no more, ladies and gentlemen. All you have to do is go to PaulaPoundstone.com dot com. And on the home page of my website, you scroll down a little teeny bit and there they are. All the episodes yeah, they're just all there. waiting for you. <clears throat> all the Nobody they're Listens all to Paula people. Poundstone podcasts. And the uh, French Trump presidential press conferences are there as well.
1: Fantastic. Well, we want to hear from all you nobodies out there. And if you want to enter our theme song contest or send us a succinct, um, what would you say, Paula? A succinct succinct but-, but compelling show description. Or just drop us a line, send it to us at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Once again, that's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com.
0: You can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We it sounds like we have nothing to do. And check out our Facebook page <laughs> at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone.
1: That's our show. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam LeFelber. Special thanks to our house band, Lindsay Goodman. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lazevnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Starburns production by Land Romo. Technical direction by Jessica Gutierrez. Our intern was, until recently, Doug. Transcription services for the show Provided by TranscribeMe, A premier internationally used Transcription service Use code Paula Boundstone When placing your order At transcribeme.com To receive an expedited service
0: That's our show for tonight Won't somebody please listen to me
1: Oh lady, 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 uh, lady I wanna lady, touch lady. that place uh, what was the I word touched that one place what,
0: what was the good night word what, I forget the good night word wo hilo
1: whoa hilo everybody
0: listeners wo hilo
1: and you know what that he means that's some yeah that means <laughs> it's it, it's it's a hot dough on a stick
0: no you know what wohilo hilo means is put that dough in your mouth put the stick down and go to bed <laughs>
3: Native American
0: word that encompasses all things, end of the day, end of work. Just pack it up and
1: pack it in. (laughs) Wohelo. You know that place you want me to touch? By coincidence, that's exactly where I want to touch. Yeah, look look
0: for Joe Esposito's performing work uh, online. You can. That's good. You know what? When wedding season takes off again, because everybody's postponing their wedding now because of the virus, but when it takes off again, Joe Esposito's song, Lady, 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 is going to be the first dance wedding song for years to come.